Welcome into another edition of Sportball with Squam, Stogie, and Skulldog. I'm your boy, Sam. With me as always, yet miles away from my heart, are my two most nefarious enemies, <laughs> Seth and Kyle. <laughs> How are we doing, boys? I'm doing pretty well. Thriving, honestly. Jeez. Yes, Kyle's got a new job, just living it up. Got a I white am. claw. Got a claw. Ain't no laws, baby. Yep. Would you believe I work one floor above Matt, and he's refused to, one, see me, and two, eat lunch with me any day? Well, not surprised. I know he's listening, so fuck you, Matt. You want to <laughs> have lunch tomorrow? <laughs> he's our one listener. He is. So. Uh, yeah, so you guys are in Illinois right now, the land of the free. Home of the brave, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Quite in Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Uh, on a work trip. So we're doing this remotely for the first time in a while. It feels Doing it live, weird. baby. Well, we're always live. I guess actually we're never we're live. We're never live. <laughs> <laughs> so we're recording we're this on live. Wednesday, the 20th of November. Uh, At precisely 6.10 Central Time p.m. Correct. So if anything happens that we didn't discuss, then whatever. Normally <laughs> we news on the podcast, but today yeah. we'll warn everybody thing happens. Exactly. All right. So <clears throat> what do you guys want to fucking do, huh? <laughs> Who's the host of this thing? <laughs> Just kidding. We're going to talk about the NBA and the NFL. So the last pod we did was maybe, what, three weeks ago before the NBA season. So, uh, first, let's start off by talking about some surprises in the NBA so far, and then we'll finish off with some NFL talk, because we know we got to get both of our sport balls in for our ball sport fans. Um, so, let's talk NBA first. I tasked each of you with picking three surprises from this early NBA season, uh, be it a team or a player's performance, be it... Disappointing or impressive, you might say. Uh, Kyle, since you're burping like there's no tomorrow, why don't you start us off? I just ate a homemade cheeseburger pita pizza, so I'm sorry. Um, it has to happen. It's a lot of different foods in one. Cheeseburger pizza pita. It's basically just it's like a, a cheeseburger as on crust. top of a pita baked like Did a you? pizza. Gotcha. So we'll... It was a burrito inside of an enchilada in a quesadilla. <laughs> Precisely. Got it. All right. Um, so, first off, I think I'm going to have to mention, we're going to go to the land up north. Oh, Canada, as they say. Um, we got to talk about the man, the myth, the legend. No, not Spicy P, but his counterpart, OG Ananobi. Mm. Yes? He was injured for like a week and a half or something. I drafted him in the last round of our league. So that's kind of why I'm biased here. But he's been That's outrageous why he brought him season. up, isn't it? <laughs> but no, for real, like he has been not just him, but like the Raptors organization at player development. I think we've seen over the last two, three years with like Siakam and Van Vliet and now Ananobi. Their player development is maybe the best in the league. 
like we have these young players that come in and their first year they, you know, average 10 minutes, two points, a rebound or something. And then they, they just make these crazy leaps over the course of a year. Like Siakam right now, oh, between the last three years, went from precisely that to now he's averaging like 24 points, seven rebounds and like five assists. Like that's all-star caliber. And we knew he was good last year, but now with him running the show, Siakam has been insane, but Ananobi right now, he is playing 30 minutes a game, 13 points, two assists, six rebounds. But really where he's at is the defensive end. He averages three stocks a game. Like, it's just so hard to score on that team when you have, you know, your forwards of Ananobi and Siakam who are just so active on all phases of the floor. It's just really... Can you, uh, Kyle, can you describe for our listeners that might not know what stocks are? Does that mean he's investing in three stocks per game? Uh, No, so he's not going the (laughs) Dinwiddie route where you could buy a player's contract, basically. Um, I don't understand that reference, but... Oh, okay, well, we'll we'll get into that later. Um, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so stocks are just steals and blocks combined. So Thank three you. a game is he's he's second on the team behind uh, Siakam right now in stocks. Well, and OG is also shooting. I mean, small sample size, obviously, but he's shooting fifty three percent from three. So he's kind of been the epitome of a three and D guy, which is exactly, I think, what they like wanted him for, or what yeah. they've been developing him into. And I remember like last year in the playoffs. A lot of times the announcers would be like, ah, you know, it's too bad we don't have OG out there. Or I wonder if there's a chance that that OG will come back, you know, and that that was seen as kind of a missing piece. Now, granted, obviously, they won the championship without him. So clearly, like, it was a piece they could afford to be missing. But I think now with Kawhi gone um, and Pascal kind of stepping into the Kawhi role, maybe OG is kind of filling in some of... The Siakam role. The, the Siakam role. Less mm. playmaking and stuff, I think, but just feeling that as like a really good defensive player um, who can guard the wings on the other team and like uh, someone that you you know can't help off of on the offensive end because he'll knock down a three. So I, that was I, I'm chiming in because the Toronto was one of my as a team was one of okay. my surprises as well. Um, and I just feel like at the beginning of the season, it was kind of 50, 50 in my mind, like, are they going to be the four seed or five seed, or are they going to just kind of start off not so hot and blow it up, trade Kyle, trade Gasol, and just kind of like maybe sneak into the playoffs. But now I feel like they're like right at the top of the Eastern conference again. Yeah. I think they have a chance to finish like top three, I think they have a chance to even just win the Atlantic. Like it's loaded with the way the Celtics have been playing and the Sixers have kind of been disappointing. Um, but I think Toronto has a chance to just win that whole uh, Atlantic conference. Okay. Nobody cares about divisions in, in the NBA. Division. First of all, second right. of all, uh, I'm going to chime in now because actually Pascal Siakam was one of my three NBA surprises. So I'm glad we're all on the same We there. talked about it before. I guess you didn't agree with me, so that's why. I'm not sure where this kind of uh, resentment is coming from, Kyle, but... Uh, <laughs> Ain't no laws, baby. <laughs> is it the White Claw? I actually, I want to bring it up because you had mentioned that um, 
that he was going to make a Giannis like leap this year, and I kind of said I, I think he'll could be better, but not quite to that uh, to that level. But I was wrong. I have in my notes. Apologize to Kyle. You were right. Those are words I never want to say to this man. <laughs> but I got to say that <laughs> that may make him far too powerful than any man should be. Uh, <laughs> Pascal this year, 26-9-4 on 47-36-83 splits. So he's still you know, being very efficient while handling a much greater pick-and-roll burden than he did last year, right? He's basically running this offense. And he's hitting threes off the dribble now. Uh, and he just seems to, you know, he just seems to add something to his game every year and just make these huge leaps every year. So, I mean, I I picked them to be third in the East um, coming into this year, and I think that's is that what they are right now, third in the East? No, they are they're fourth. So that's not me. I guess they're a surprise disappointment for me. Just kidding, but uh, <laughs> I certainly didn't. I I thought that Pascal might make a leap, but. Uh, possible first team all nba wasn't where i was thinking and that may be where he's at right now so here let me I tell mean, you this so not first team all nba right now but i told you, you so? obviously he was going to make that um Giannis sleep and i think we kind of have Giannis and would you guys put Kawhi in the, like the same tier uh, of players correct mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and so last year Kawhi averaged 27 points, seven rebounds, three assists uh, on 60 true shooting percentage. <laughs> Stupid dog. Siakam this year is averaging half a point more, 27 and a half points, nine rebounds, almost four assists on just under 60% true shooting percentage. He has taken over the Kawhi role completely and is playing even better than Kawhi was at this point statistically. Yeah, and obviously, like, part of the thing with Kawhi and the reason why we have him ranked so highly is, like, his, his, he elevates his play so much in the playoffs, um, and it just has that pedigree, so, and that you're saying, like, Pascal's better than Kawhi, but, um. I'm just saying, so far, from the 16 uh, games this season, he's performing, yeah. Just. It's all in the eight. Is all NBA team still two guards, two forwards in the center? No, it's two guards and three forwards, isn't it? It's like front court, back court. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like two, two back okay. court players. Three no, I think there's still a center. No, I don't Seth think you have to pick a center. I think I think Seth's right. It's three back court, no, two front court. That's for all star actually. I think it is. Two guards. Yeah, oh, you need a center. All-star. Yeah, you're right. Because I think if there was no center. I think he'd be first team All NBA with Giannis, LeBron, Luca, and Harden. But without, if because he had to put a center in there, then he'll probably be what second or third team. So, I mean, the but whole still. problem is I don't know how they're categorizing any of those players. Like <laughs> all of them could be forwards or point guards, basically. Right, but you can slide Luca and Harden in the guards. You can slide LeBron and Giannis in the forward, and then put whatever Cat as center, and then. Whatever fucking yeah. center we have to put there. <laughs> they should really just do it with the three front courts, though. They should just do the top five players. Let's not get fucking crazy here. <laughs> Does anyone else anyone else have any other surprises besides the Raptors, which we apparently all had? 
I do. So, I have yeah. you. You gave us threes. Yes, I yeah. have more. <laughs> I guess. Man, are we done with the Raptors? Can we move on to the other ones? Yes. All yeah. right, uh, Seth. Why don't you say another surprise? Uh, let the record show. Uh, Sam predicted that I would have the Boston Celtics as a surprise, as if I would be surprised that they're succeeding. I'm like, no, I'm not. It's not a surprise. What am I? Maybe I'm surprised they've lost twice. And they're only eleven and two, thirteen and zero. But um, so my actual, I will bring up um, as my next surprise, Nikola Jokic. I feel like he's fat. Yeah, I mean, reports are saying he he came into the season out of shape, um, and whether that has to do with his exact body size or just conditioning in general is. Not me for me to decide, but um, he definitely has not been performing as well as he did last year. Um, he's, I was just looking this up. It was like he's averaging 18 points a game or something, 16 points a game, and uh, just 56th in the NBA. He had PER of 20, which is 42nd. I feel like Jokic is one of those guys who always had a really good PER because he's such a good passer and good facilitator as well. So I'm not really sure what the deal is there. Um, I mean, the Nuggets are still nine and three, so like, I guess it's not really time to panic. Um, but I didn't. I definitely didn't expect him to take a step back this year, and maybe he's trying to pace himself more and. It'd be more conditioned, like playoff time, the old Draymond Green strategy. But I'm a little bit concerned uh, to see if he can step it up and get back to his like top five player in the league status. Yeah, and coming to this year, we discussed him as a dark horse for MVP, and that's right. definitely not happening right now. I don't know. Maybe part of it was him playing off-season basketball with Serbia and just kind of not really working on conditioning, just playing games and then just, like, not working out, you know? And maybe that, that hurt him a little bit. Um, and for him to be out of shape, even for him, is <laughs> is pretty out of shape. They did him so dirty in the NBA profile picture, he looks like he just, like, let out a fart and is, no. like, nefariously looking around. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... <laughs> I mean, I think it says something that the Nuggets are 9-3 and three without him playing to his peak, and uh, um, Jamal has played pretty well. And I think that that team, you know, may have something to say when all of a sudden going against the L.A. teams in Houston um, in that top of the West. So here's my take on it. Um, I don't know if he is – obviously, statistically, he's quite worse so far this year than he was last year. But I think – a lot of that, the majority, if not all of it, has to do with the reemergence of the old Will the Thrill Barton. I don't know if you guys have watched many Nuggets games, but Will is uh, completely back. Uh, on my fantasy team, baby. Yeah, you stole him from me. Will has been on fire, and I think the best way for Jokic, Jokic, Jokic to succeed. Jokic is my favorite is uh, to have Will correct. be the sixth man of that team and come off the bench because Will is honestly stealing a lot of usage, a lot of rebounds away from Jokic. And um, I think that's kind of why we're seeing his stats fall this year is because, one, yeah. he doesn't have to shoulder as much of the load when Will's on the floor with him, and he's insanely active on both sides. So it's like 
Jokic literally can just be a facilitator now. He doesn't have to take 15 or more shots a game anymore. He could. He yeah, has four yeah. competent players he can give the ball to at any point. I think, like, we all want Jokic to be this player that he's not just because we see all the potential. We want him, we want an offseason where he comes in completely in shape, has re- transformed his body. We want him uh, to take over games and, you know, take the shots that matter down the stretch. We want him to kind of show a like a fuck you attitude, like I'm taking over this game, and that's just not who he is, you know? Like, I think the fact that we said the Nuggets are 9-3, and I don't think he cares how he's playing. You know, like, I don't think he cares about his stats. Um, and I think he's just, like you said, going to get in shape for the playoffs. And and uh, I think he's just happy that they're winning, you know? That's what I'm guessing. He's not, like, the superstar, like, that we want him to be, right? He's not, He's not like, a, like a Giannis or a, a LeBron or a Kevin Durant who's going to, take over a game like that he's just he is who he is he's our big honey he is our big honey this dog is fucking nuts what is going on over there it sounds like world war three i don't know she won't stop i just i just got an espn alert that uh ben simmons hit a three oh my god wow it's happening trust the process (laughs) um all right, I'm going to go with my one of my surprises, which is the Indiana Pacers and specifically Malcolm Brogdon. Um, so at the beginning of the year, I predicted that they would miss the playoffs and famously or infamously bet Seth that the Bulls would have a better record than them, which could <laughs> still happen. Uh, <laughs> Technically, right now, it could. The Pacers are 8-6 and six and 6 in the East, so they still could miss the playoffs, but... Uh, the one thing that's been really surprising is that with Victor Oladipo out, Brogdon has taken on uh, the lead creator role in a way that I didn't necessarily believe he was capable of. Uh, he's putting up 19-8-5 on 46-31-98 splits, so he's still very efficient, and yet everything in this offense runs through him. And I think <laughs> with how he's looked this season, the Bucks are going to kind of look back on that decision to – I mean, we've all hashed this out, but they, they gave Eric Bledsoe a contract extension, extension halfway through the year last year, and that looks yeah, terrible in rough. retrospect with the way he Tough performs call. in the playoffs. And yet Malcolm Brogdon was the third and sometimes second-best player throughout the year and throughout the playoffs, and they were forced to let him walk so they didn't have to pay the luxury tax. And now he looks like he has the capability. He had the capability to be the beta scorer and creator to Giannis's alpha role. Um, maybe even more, you know, more than Chris Middleton at times. And yet now here he is on the Pacers. And, you know, I want to – I'll say that I'm impressed so far. I want to see it over an entire season. Uh, he's always been an injury-prone player from college and in the NBA. He played 48 games his second year and 30, 64 games last year. Um, he's had foot problems. Uh, the knock on him coming out of college was that his foot was basically a ticking time bomb. That's what one scout said. So let's see if he can keep it up over a whole season and carry that load. But I've been impressed so far. Tell Meanwhile, right again. Yeah, I can't believe how this podcast has started for me, telling Kylie's right twice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> meanwhile, DeMontis, Jesus Christ, somebody stop so this man. Boner, baby. He's 19, 14, and 4. I think, look, I know what Miles Turner does for them on the defensive end, and it's yeah, hard to find a rim protector. Right. 
But if they have end up having to choose between Miles Turner and Sabonis, which maybe they won't, maybe they won't, maybe they can keep playing big and it'll work. But if they have to choose, I would be choosing Sabonis. He's so fucking good in the post, in the high post. He just, it's, I'm so glad to see him break out in this way. You know, he came from the Thunder where they just had him spotting up around Russell Wethelwethbook. And um, that was, he was miscast in this role. And now he's just, he's just taking, he, he brings guys into the post. He holds office hours and he scores pretty much every time. And I actually think the Pacers, despite what I said at the beginning of the season, they've surprised me enough that I think they're one of the six locks in the East now, along with uh, with the Bucks and the Celtics, the Raptors and the Heat and the Sixers. I think those are kind of the six locks. And then from there, pretty much every team is ass. As you look at the standings, everyone else is under 500. Yeah, remind me, how are the Bulls doing? I will not remind you. Uh, thank uh, you for asking. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> There are four and ten, but uh, it's because we have no good players. So ah, okay. <laughs> also, side note: Is anyone surprised that the Nets are struggling this season when you drop Kyrie into just the same situation that he fucked up last year, <laughs> except with worse players? No. <laughs> I'm a Why little would surprised. I be surprised. Yeah, I'm a little surprised it was this immediate, but overall, no. <laughs> What do you guys think about the Pacers or anything about the East? I've always liked Bragdon. I think it's nice to see him step up from really fulfilling his role to the max on the Bucks, where he was like somewhat of a playmaker, but a lot of just spot-up shooting, uh, being a really good on-ball defender for the other team's best guard. And now he's kind of expanded his role in becoming the lead playmaker on the Pacers. Um, so yeah, it makes you wonder what that team's going to be like once Depot comes back and if they'll be able to kind of retain that, that amount of play or that level of play from Brogdon, um, but still kind of funnel the ball through Victor as well. Um, or if it'll be like Victor kind of takes over and Brogdon goes back to a more complimentary role and you don't get quite as much value, um, but either way, I think they're, yeah, a dangerous team in the East going forward. My, uh, Brogdon right now is shooting 98% from the free throw line I just saw. How insane is that? <laughs> I mentioned it earlier, but I know you weren't listening, baby. No, that was when I was trying to corral the dog. But Yeah, that's when we were trying to end World War Three, which it seems like you did. She was laying down for two minutes, and now she stopped. Good girl. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Yesterday, uh, for the first time in NBA history, two brothers scored 20 points for the same team. Uh, Justin and Aaron Holiday both scored 20 yesterday against, uh, I can't remember who they're playing. Would you believe the other team. brother also scored over 20? All three Holidays. Okay, mean. Oh, yeah, but not for the same team. No, but still, all three Holidays. What do we have to do to get all three Holidays on the same team? Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, what do we have to do? <laughs> Seth didn't even laugh at that joke. I give and I give, and he's over there probably just fucking looking at Hinge. All right, uh, Kyle, I think it's time for your second surprise, yeah. if you know what I'm saying, baby. I don't think it's much of a surprise. Um, we're going to go... Well, then why'd you put it down? <laughs> we're going to go out west um, to L.A., and we're going to talk about the Lakers. 
because we all wanted to. Let's be honest. Couple things here. LeBron looks like it's his second season in the league. He, <laughs> I've never, he, I haven't seen him have so much like energy night in and night out. Obviously, taking basically a whole all of last season off and two off seasons to not really do anything and just get Anthony Davis. Uh, seems to have worked out so far. Um, Anthony Davis, on the other hand, I think his injury to his shoulder is kind of worse than what he's saying. Like, he started the year. He was on fire. He was averaging, like, through the first five games, what was it, like 14, 15 rebounds? Now, over the last five games, I don't think he's had more than, like, five or six rebounds a game. Um, You know, obviously, I think... It helps having two superstars so LeBron could take some of that load. But also, kind of the reemergence of Dwight Howard has been insane. He looks spry himself. Like, when Dwight Howard's on the floor with those the other two, they might be, surprisingly, the best defensive team in the league. It's kind of crazy watching Dwight be able to switch on to some point guards and be able to actually defend them. The thing I didn't realize going into the season was – how elite they would be defensively. Uh, I didn't really consider that because Bradley has looked resurgent. Every time he guards the, the best guard on the other team, they can't do anything against him. Uh, and Howard is playing great defensively. JaVale is playing great defensively. So basically any big that they put with Anthony has been up to the task. And Danny Green, we always, we've known all along as a great wing stopper in his own right. Um, Dwight Howard... <laughs> I'm I'm flabbergasted. I'll admit. At uh, what point does it fall apart? Is the question. But do gotta I... be soon, right? <laughs> He's so skinny now. He looks like a diff- completely different player, and he's finally stopping. He stopped asking for 18 post touches a game. It seems, which is, <laughs> which has been good. Uh, I don't know. I guess he's buying in because he's on a championship team. Right, and I mean they talked about. How at- they had a meeting with him and made it very clear that at the, at the first sign of trouble, like he's out of there and maybe for someone like Dwight, maybe one, he sees what's been happening to Carmelo, which we'll get to in a second, but him kind of like being out of a job suddenly. And so maybe he's like kind of rethought his actions in the past and doesn't want that to happen to him. And the other thing is, if there ever was a team where he could recognize that he doesn't deserve to be touching the ball, you know, 15 times a game offensively, a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis maybe could get that into his head. But I also think the other thing is he could very, very easily get injured. And he's been injury prone throughout his career, especially in the last several years. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't rule that out in the slightest. But at least he can sop up a lot of those center minutes during the regular season, which they needed someone to do. So at the yeah. very least, they have that. Um, and we should talk about the fact that LeBron is leading the league in assists by a pretty wide margin. Uh, he's at almost 12 a game. And I think this is what we always kind of knew he could do, given the right situation. Uh, and now that he's basically playing point guard, of course, he's always played point guard, right? But... He's usually also had a guard creator who's sopping up some of those assists, right? But now he's, he's his other star is a rim rolling uh, big. So it's good to see. I mean, I hope he leads the league in assists. Uh, 
he's probably one of the front running MVP candidates, so I don't know if people will vote for him again, but I've been very happy to see this version of LeBron. He looks rejuvenated. The greatest player alive is still the greatest player alive 16 years deep. I personally hate him because he plays the Lakers, so... We know, we know the truth. If I ripped out your heart and read the notes on it, it would say, <laughs> I love LeBron. <laughs> Um, why don't we just go ahead? Why don't we just fucking talk about Carmelo? We all know we have to talk about Carmelo. Seth, well, I know it's on your list. Right. My next thing was the Trailblazers being a surprise this year. Um, I would like you all to apologize to my face right now because at the beginning of the season, I said they're going to miss the playoffs because they don't have any forwards. And then they become so desperate at forward that they signed Carmelo Anthony. And you all scoffed. You scoffed. Um, Sam's face. I apologize. Apologize uh, to my ass, where it counts. <laughs> <laughs> my ass is on the line. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking up. So their record is... They're three games out of the playoffs. Yeah, only three games out of the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, it's obviously very early in the season still. I believe in their their culture and leadership, um, and Damon CJ. Um, I guess I had a little bit higher hopes, and I know Zach Collins has been injured recently, right? Is he still injured? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that doesn't help with their their depth as far as big men and forwards. Um, and I mean, Carmelo Anthony hit a three, so that's something. Maybe this is another... He also yeah, shot 4 of 14 and got denied by Jackson Hayes when he tried to posterize him for no reason. Yeah. That was one of the worst so. fucking games I've ever seen anyone play, honestly. And everyone was <laughs> acting like he's back. He shot 4 for 14, 0 assists, 5 turnovers, 24 minutes, minus 20. Did you see the... <laughs> That's hard the to press, do. <laughs> did you see the press conference with him when they announced him? And one of the um, reporters was like, so what's it going to be like coming off the bench? And he just looked at him and laughed and looked at the back to like his, uh, I don't know if it was one of the managers or what it was. And he was like yelling to him. He was like, this man thinks I'm going to come off the bench. He's like, you probably should. You suck. That happened a year ago. Are you talking about when that no, happened? No, when it just happened Rockets? again. Oh, well, he's a dumbass. He's, first of all, one of the Literally worst players in the league. Face, was like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing. I'm dying on the hill of the Portland Trailblazers is missing the playoffs because when your two forwards are Mario fucking Hazonia, who's the second worst player in the league, and then Carmelo Anthony, who's the first worst player in the league, I don't think you're making the fucking playoffs. He did start though. <laughs> I know that he started, but would you rather start Carmelo Anthony or Mario Hazonia's dead corpse that's rotting in his grave? I'd rather start a Juan Asparagus. Uh, yeah, I mean Carmelo's ass. Uh, all I'm saying is he made an open three. So and Dame didn't play in this game. So we'd imagine that the offense would look a lot different with Dame playing because he's injured right now as well. Um, he took the second so, most shots on the team in twenty four minutes. That's what I'm saying. If Dame was there and they're running their regular offense and he was just sitting in a corner as he should, I mean, ideally it's a corner in his living room. Watching the game on TV, <laughs> but if he has to play, you'd want him just 
standing behind the three-point line and catching and shooting and not trying to do these outrageous post-up bully ball stuff that he can't actually score on. So, again, I'm just opening the possibility that this is a Dwight Howard situation where somehow he becomes a usable player. But I agree with you. I think the most likely scenario is that he continues to be asked, which is really a bummer because obviously he's like one of the great players of that generation. But he's just had a uh, very precipitous slide in his play late in his career. So, I mean, I'm uh, interested to see how it goes with the Blazers overall. Yeah, the first play of the game, his uh, he just didn't box out his guy who was just standing in the corner three, and he got an easy offensive rebound. So he, I'm just tired of hearing about Carmelo as if it's a story that matters. It's not. He's not good anymore. Yeah. He is no, gonna. He doesn't no. get it. He just doesn't get it. He's gonna take 20 shots a game. He's gonna shoot 30 percent, and he's not gonna play defense, and he's not gonna help your team. When Sam's uh, critiquing you for not boxing out, that's when you know you're fucked. Yeah, because I boxed out maybe seven times in my career. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, any thoughts on the Blazers? Um, I refuse to admit that I was wrong still. It's early. <laughs> they had a brutal Shocker. injury to a Wait, wait. Good... I apologize to you for the Pacers, and you can't. you didn't apologize to me for the Blazers? No, it's too early for this. I rescind my apology, then. You can't. It's, <laughs> it's recorded. Actually, strike it from the recording. Um, I don't know. I just think the Carmelo, Carmelo signing was one of the worst things they could have done. They have like probably one of the most highest, highest usage backcourts in the league, and now you add a ball-dominant forward into the equation as well. That sucks. Um, so it's going to be an interesting experiment, but... We're just fucking shitting on Carmelo right now. <laughs> I hope he hears this. He's like a Hall of Famer, and we're just absolutely destroying him. I don't think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but... Wow. Well, it can what has his team ever done? And Olympics and shit, so yeah. we'll be in, fortunately. Oh, yeah, he'll be in the Olympic Hall of Fame. <laughs> in the NBA, uh, he's never really done shit. He's been the leading scorer on his teams most of his career, but his teams weren't able to go anywhere because he sucked. Carmelo can eat my ass, and you can record that. I don't think that his teams couldn't go anywhere because he sucked. I think his team sucked, and he was really good. I mean, if you talk to, like, he, he obviously has the respect of other players. I remember reading an article that, like, Paul Pierce posted after, like, shortly after he retired talking about, like, the hardest players for him to guard in his career. And it was LeBron, T-Mac, Kobe, and Carmelo. The best thing Carmelo's ever done was be a part of the Banana Boat Squad. Seth just loves Carmelo because he peed in his urinal. I peed in his urinal. Not the one that he owns, just a urinal that he's also peed in, I presume. Do you think go, he owns urinals? <laughs> he might have urinal in his house. We don't know. Uh, all right, I'm going to move on because I'm tired of Carmelo to my third surprise. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks. So none of us picked them to make the playoffs, um, but they are now eight and five and fifth in the West. Uh, I think they're one of the locks in the West to make the playoffs. Uh, dare I say, along with the LA teams and the Rockets and the Nuggets and the Jazz, I think 
I think they're the sixth lock there. And um, not what I expected coming into the season, but you kind of look at this team and it just makes sense together. You got Powell and Kleber, Maxi Kleber, rolling into the rim for Luka Doncic to hit them for oops. You have shooting around them with Seth Curry, uh, Tim Hardaway, Finney Smith. Dylan uh, Wright. And, yeah, Dylan Wright, who I've been courting in fantasy but never quite pulled the trigger. And, um, I mean, I'm not shocked that Luka Doncic made a leap. Maybe a bit surprised that it was this uh, precipitous of a leap. But, I mean, the man's averaging 30-11-9, which <clears throat> is pretty good, I think. Um, still uh, a sieve defensively, but who really fucking cares? And this team, Kristaps, uh, the rapist, hasn't even played that well yet. And yet, here they are, fifth in the West, with, you know, one of the top five offenses in the league. And he's not even really helping them on that end as much as we you know, maybe anticipated. So I don't know. This team just makes sense together. Uh, I don't think this is a fluke that they're in the playoff hunt right now. And I think that they're a solid team, maybe not a top four seed, but I think they're going to make the playoffs in the West, which I wouldn't have said going into the season. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, Obviously we knew Luca was great just from seeing him in the league last year. I don't know how many people thought he was going to take this much of a leap over the course of one year, but um, it's pretty crazy. He has a higher um, field goal percentage than last year, and he's taken four more shots a game. He's averaging three more assists per game, and he's averaging, or yeah, he's averaging three more assists and three more rebounds. He's eerily close to averaging a triple double. He's 0.7 assists a game off from averaging a triple double. That is eerie. Eerily. Did I say eerily? <laughs> no, you said it right. I just thought, okay. wanted you to agree with you. I um, We should have this conversation, I think. What is he? East? A top Fourth? five player? Hands down. I mean, I would say the players who are playing the best in the league right now are Giannis, LeBron, and Luka. Yeah, I think, how do you leave? I think those guys in Harden are the top yeah, four I was in say, the how league, do you leave right? Harden off? In any order you want to put them, yeah, I would say those are the top four players in the league right now, and it's only a second season. If guys. you were starting, yeah. still twenty. If you were starting an NBA team right now, I think you'd be insane to not take Luca first overall. I or would be like the back one of your team. I don't know if we talked about this on air or not, but I know I had a conversation with one of you about this. Me, you know, a lot of people would say Giannis, but and. I'm not going to begrudge you saying you want to start your franchise with Giannis. Obviously, he's a great player. But he has a few weaknesses that Luka doesn't have. Obviously, he's much better defensively, of course. But late in the game, in the playoffs, in the finals, when it matters most and you want to win a championship, you need someone who can rate a shot from anywhere on the court by themselves. We've seen it time and time again. You need a LeBron James. You need a Kevin Durant. You need a Kawhi Leonard. And Luka fits that role more than Giannis does because Giannis isn't a great jump shooter. And so when push comes to shove, I think that would give Luka the edge for me. Plus, he's 20 fucking years old, so <laughs> you're going to get, you know, his entire prime. So, I mean, I wouldn't say you're wrong for picking Giannis, but I think I agree with you there, Kyle. That's three, baby. Of course, you could always just pick LeBron and have win two championships before he turns... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kyle, you, you should have a surprise left, right? Or do you ready? 
Uh, I don't know if it's a surprise because he is a staple <laughs> of a uh, Stogie Boys. Every surprise you've started off by saying this isn't really a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> because they're all Stogie Boys. Um, I think we have to talk about, and we talked about Luca. I think we have to talk about the other side of the coin here, Trey Young. Mm. Um, he's made a tremendous leap himself, too, and he's got a much worse supporting cast. Um, compared to last year, his shooting percentages went up just as much as Doncic's has. He's taking almost 20 shots a game. Last year, he was averaging 19 points. He's averaging 27 now. He's eight and a half assists and four rebounds. But I think the most surprising thing is, like, I think we saw, like, we, I don't know about you guys, but at least personally, I was always high on John Collins and what his ceiling was. Um, mm-hmm. Collins was also high on HGH. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, like, his ceiling is high, but I think playing with Trey Young we see now that with him sitting and what Jabari's been doing, how much of that is a byproduct of playing with Trey? Like, mostly all now, of it. Yeah, right? Jabari <laughs> now stepped into the John Collins role, and he's averaging this—he's averaging what eighteen and eighteen points and like thirteen rebounds a game. What John Collins was doing, like right. being the role man in a Trey Young offense, is maybe the most underrated spot to play in the league. I like how for I said list three surprises, so I took the opportunity to list three that I was wrong about coming into the season, and Kyle <laughs> took the opportunity to pat himself on the back three times. <laughs> I don't know what you expected from me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I gotta agree. You know, funny thing is about that trade. Um, so basically, the the Mavs traded um, the pick that became Trey Young. And a future pick that became what Cam Reddish for Doncic, and you know, obviously, it looks like the Mavericks got a future multiple-time MVP. But it's not like the Atlanta Hawks got a slouch either. I mean, they have, I would say, at least an All-Star potential All NBA guy in Trey as well, and so. I mean, you could say that Dallas won it, but it's kind of fun that we have this, that they're both good. You know, it's more fun that way, right? And so I'm excited to see how both of those careers blossom in the coming years. It is more fun that way. It was still a bad trade for the Hawks. Yeah, uh, no no way, other way to say it. Yeah, but, but, you know what, at least I it's mean, a fun bad trade. They have some consolation, for sure. <clears throat> Any other NBA things you guys want to hit before we move on to the NFL? I'm really excited for uh, Celtics Clippers tonight. It's uh, Kawhi Leonard's playing, so it's the first Kawhi and Paul George game together, and they're about to get destroyed by the Celtics. Maybe. (laughs) Dude, I don't know. It's been pretty wild watching what um, Paul George has been able to do with Kawhi sitting. Yeah. (laughs) That team is no joke, for sure. In limited minutes, he's putting up insane numbers. So it's definitely going to be interesting to watch and see, like, what the usage, how that kind of gets distributed. Because, obviously, with Kawhi gone, Paul George, I think, when he was on the floor, had, like, a 34% usage rate. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we're going to make a bet that, like, an L.A. team will make the finals. 
Mm. Maybe that's not even that good of odds, honestly. <laughs> but it really seems like we're headed that way, doesn't it? No, because aren't those the two favorites to make the finals? Probably. They should be. And, I mean, I, we all know that although the Rockets are the two-seater right now, they're going to falter in the playoffs when James Harden is ass like he always is. So, But he's on my fantasy team now, so I shouldn't. I love you, James, if you're listening, which I know you this are. This is the year, dude. This is the year they don't falter. <laughs> Classic Kyle. You're fucking wrong, dude. <laughs> they got Russ now who can't shoot the ball for a lick. But, my God, Russ his tenacity the on the court. Chris Paul was. Jesus. They're like, why can't we? Let's just take the two players that are have the greatest disparity of our generation from their regular season play to the playoffs and put them together and see if they can make the finals. I will bet you right now that that the Houston Rockets make it to the conference finals. Yeah, so pro- that might happen. I mean, it's really between them and the two LA, LA teams, right? LA. I mean, fine. I'll do whatever. Fuck it. Yeah, well, I'll take that bet. All right, $10,000. Just kidding, 10 fine. I mean, I've already lost, like, basically every bet I've made with Kyle in the last year when I, especially the Washington Redskins bet, where I bet them to win six games. <laughs> you guys, do, you, do you guys just want to pay me now for the uh, for the Warriors bet or what? Oh, see, I that was the one, too, I didn't I mean, want to bring up on the spot. <laughs> we'll obviously pay you, but... No, we'll wait till the end of the season, because... Right, well, way, but but I mean, Steph got it. We didn't think Steph was a millionaire, yeah. So that's not that being said, even with more. Steph, they look terrible. They did. <laughs> they have no defense. Early. All right, let's. Okay. We're already forty-five fucking minutes in. So let's hit it in the NFL, <laughs> shall we? The second task for y'all was to uh, pick one NFL team that you wanted to discuss. Which one of you uh, boys would like to start? I'll go first. Um, I would like to talk about the Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles. Um, I've watched a decent amount of Rams games this year because I have Cooper Cup on all three of my fantasy teams. And just recently, the last several weeks, they've looked like complete ass on offense. Um, they even had a game where Cooper Cup didn't touch the ball once. Yeah. And in this last game, last week against the Bears, he had, like, one long catch, and that was basically it. So, I don't know what's going on with their offense. They finally got Gurley back going against the Bears, which is interesting because I feel like the Bears' run defense is supposed to be so good. But they were, like... missing a couple players on their line, so that doesn't help, but... But they were just running the ball into the ground, and... You know what it is, some of their wide receivers are injured too, with Cooks being out with the concussions, and then Robert Woods was like a surprise miss for personal reasons on Sunday. But I'm just a little confused what's going on with with this team, where you've got Sean McVay supposedly um, being this offensive mastermind, and they're six and four. Um, Goff has looked terrible. He's always and, been terrible. Yeah, but they could hide him somehow on the offense last year, which I was for whatever reason was working. And that <laughs> they're playing the Ravens this upcoming week. So if they lose to the Ravens, they'll be six and five and really uh it'll be real tough for them to make the playoffs, I think. So I'm just kinda interested to see what happens and I hope 
for my fantasy team's sake that they figure it out, at least with Cooper. I want to interject quickly to say that I have watched the Ben Simmons three, and it was a corner three, not even a desperation. Seven seconds left on the shot clock. Uh, it was against the New York Knicks. So is this – it must be brought up, is this the worst moment in Knicks history? And I would say yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right, so uh, yeah, yeah, the Rams. Uh, yes. Yeah, I saw a uh, a quote. Um, I guess Sean McVay said that he's having a lot of trouble this year. Kind of obviously, you could just see it from watching, but he's having a lot of trouble game planning and getting getting his team going. I don't know what changes over the just one year. Like they didn't really, you know, lose anyone. Offense on the offensive side, besides like a couple offensive linemen, which obviously affects a lot when golf doesn't have as much time to throw in the pocket. I think that's kind of where we see his fall off. I don't never thought he was that great to begin with. And I think we talked about it last year, like Sean McVay was able to mask his inabilities by scheming well, but it doesn't matter how good you could scheme if your quarterback is being pressured on every single attempt. And that and the fact that I think Gurley obviously wasn't healthy at the beginning of the season, um, you know, kind of a lot of things just came together for them to, to was put in place for them to fail. And they've invested way too much uh, on the defensive side of things that hasn't really improved their chances of making the playoffs or improved their, you know, their team as a whole. Instead, they're giving up a bunch of assets, pretty much what the Bears did and Ryan Pace, like giving up a ton of assets for one key defensive player who his replacement right now in Oakland has more sacks than he does. Uh, that uh, So I want to bring up one thing, Kyle, and you can start to correct me if I'm saying any of this wrong. Last year, we were talking about how they play 31 personnel a lot, right, which is what, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back? And uh, that's they would basically the wrong terminology. It's 21 personnel, but yeah, sorry, 21 or, personnel, 12, 12, one running back, two tight ends, three wide receivers. Okay. And they would really run everything from that set. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm um, maybe defenses are starting to figure out how to attack that uh, this season after, you know, watching film of last year and having all off season to prepare. I don't know if that's part of it or not. Uh, maybe Sean McVay needs to be adjusting more and, uh, being able to do kind of the Bill Belichick thing where he game to game completely changes the script depending on who they're playing and what the strengths and weaknesses of his players are. I don't know. I mean, obviously he's much smarter than I am and I'm not saying that uh, I know better than him, but it seems to me that maybe a lack of adjustment is part of the problem on his end. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think they've deviated a whole lot from the the 12 personnel but it obviously doesn't help when pretty much every week they're down one of their starting receivers this past week too um and i think it also kind of threw a wrench into his game plan with the emergence of uh what the fuck's his name uh gerald everett at the tight end position like they never they used their two tight ends to block pretty much every play last year. 
Now you're taking one of your tight ends off from the block to send him out in the passing game because Sean McVay's realized like he is a good asset to have out there, but that's one less person to block, and that's probably one of the problems that um, Goff has in not having enough time to kind of process things. Yeah, and we always talk about – I think we – maybe sometimes fall into the trap of only paying attention to injuries if they're a star offensive player like a wide receiver or running back. But this team has had tons of offensive line injuries. And Goff isn't the type of player that's going to buy you time back there and adjust when the pocket is collapsing. So I think we maybe need to take a look at that as well. Seth, any final thoughts on the Rams? Yeah, we can just blame it on the offensive line. (laughs) There we go. Kyle, your team? No, I'll let Seth go first. I'm pulling something up. I just want Seth just went, but I can go ahead and go. Yeah, you go. Yeah, my bad. I think we all knew this was going to happen. The Raiders of Oakland. The it's Raiders. Time. The Raiders. Do you think Kyle will so, this one? I will. I was wrong. I mentioned last pod that they might be okay. Uh, I'm going to rescind that statement. I was wrong. They're good, actually. <laughs> and Whoa. I think they're a deserving playoff team. If you look at it, they're currently 6-4 and four in the seventh seed right now, but only one game, maybe even a half game, behind the uh, Chiefs for the division. I don't know if any of us really believe they'll take that division, but they're certainly close to a wild card spot. Uh, the Texans are in the sixth seed right now, and the Texans are, the Texans are frauds, okay? They're 17th <laughs> in DVOA. They don't belong to be in that spot. Oakland is 11th in DVOA, so even the nerds out there have to admit that this team deserves to be in the playoffs and is good enough to be considered a playoff team. Um, Kyle mentioned Khalil Mack's replacement, uh, Max Crosby, a rookie who had four sacks last week, which is, I would say, pretty good considering they don't usually average even one a game. So, uh, And he has three forced fumbles, and he's just been a monster. I mean, I was I had picked the Raiders in my survival pick, so I was cheering hard for them this week, and this man was just a terror. Um, and Josh Jacobs looks great. Uh, he has 923 yards and seven touchdowns through however many fucking weeks we've played. What is it, 11? Uh, he's 4.8 yards per attempt, which is really efficient. Uh, I know, like, about a month ago, he was first in the league in yards after contact, so he's breaking tackles. He's He's making, you know, positive runs out of nothing. And Derek Carr is doing his job. I mean, he's not an elite quarterback. We know that. But he's he has a 72% completion rate, which is elite in its own right. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do what he can't do, right? He's making these short passes, and he's completing them at a high rate, and he's taking shots when he can, not turning the ball over too much either. So, <clears throat> obviously, this team isn't, you know, elite. I'm not trying to say that they're a great team. But I think that we need to start looking at them as a deserving playoff team. I don't want to say I know he's going to disagree. <laughs> no. Surprisingly, I'm not. Um, I might have been wrong on the Raiders. Maybe. Oh, my who's God. To say? Pose me down. Pose I me down who, right now. I said who's to say. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody thought that... Um, God, why can't... This happens every single fucking day of my life. Jimmy no, no, Butler? No. <laughs> 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 who's, the, uh, who's their offensive... Lineman, the white dude, um, Richie, Richie Incognito. incognito? Yes. Uh, he was incognito. I couldn't remember his name. Um, <laughs> I don't think, at least I didn't think he was going to come back to play and be as good as he has been. Like, he's been a staple for their offensive line and kind of Josh Jacobs to 
have these holes to be top 10 in a ton of like efficiency ratings and efficiency metrics. Like he's Josh Jacobs is number one in the league in breakaway runs, which is runs of 15 yards or more. He has 12 so far. So he's averaging over one, one run of 15 yards or more a game best in the league. He's um, top five in evaded tackles and top 10 in juke rate. Like he's making, he's making defenders miss. And I think that's, I didn't expect him to do that coming into the league out of college because he didn't have – he was good in the passing game, but we never really saw him be a true workhorse back, and that was kind of my big dig on him. And I will say I was wrong on Josh Jacobs' market down. Um, but boy. This is what, 56, 33 into the <laughs> podcast? Uh, I'll have our producer mark that down. <laughs> but – yeah, I'm really surprised what John Gruden has been able to do. And, like, Richie Incognito is going to be an all-pro lineman. And fucking you have the emergence of Waller, Darren Walrus. Um, he was hyped up kind of at the end of the offseason. But I don't think really anyone thought he was going to end up being you know, he's looking like he could be a top five tight end in the NFL at the way he's mm-hmm. playing. And so kudos, I guess, to Oakland, John Gruden and what they're doing. It'll be interesting to see them in the uh, in the playoffs if they do make it. Seth, any thoughts? Um, I have Josh Jacobs on two of my fantasy teams, which is obviously all I care about when it comes to football. Um, <laughs> so I am supportive of him. Plus, we have Derek Carr in our podcast league. So, uh, I'm like, even though we both poo-pooed you for saying that the Raiders might be okay, um, kind of okay with them being good because it helps me out. Um, and yeah, I wonder if the narrative kind of changes. I feel like everyone was shitting on John Gruden like last season and making those trades, trading away Cleo Mack, kind of changing a bunch of things but now i don't know it seems to be working so do you think we would take gruden more seriously if his haircut wasn't so fucking stupid could be <laughs> who's like men's barber look at look at sam throwing shade today on this podcast <laughs> criticizing someone's haircuts when you know their hairline may be receding on himself. Whoa, 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 whoa. Critic- Maybe. I'm balding heavily. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can Holiday. only ask others to do what I can't do. <laughs> and that's what good leaders do. Um, so, is anyone mentioned? We have one team left, right? Is it Kyle's? Yes. Um, you know I was going to talk about them. I can't wait for this. Good old Arizona Cardinals. Ah. Um, oh, you know, I, I I do apologize for coming at your boy Cliff. I've been impressed with the offense lately. Yeah, it's obviously, you know, the record doesn't show, I don't think, how good of a team they can be. And a lot of that has to do with them not really having the players that they need still, but being able to produce the numbers that they are with what they do have based on Cliff and his scheme and, you know, how good Kyler actually is. And, you know, people finally realizing that, 
even though he was poo-pooed for his height coming into the league, it's like he he's just he's basically like at this point Russell Wilson light when it comes to extending plays and you know finding the first down uh, if the pocket collapses, being able to run run for that and that's high praise right there. It is. Yeah. Seth, maybe Wilson, he can become your next lover after Russell <laughs> retires from your bedroom. Russell's the best. <laughs> quarterback in the nfl right now and i'll hear nothing else but um, i'll never retire from my bedroom <laughs> you're not gonna hear anything else from seth i'll tell you that much <laughs> but russell here's and i will be like, making love deep into it we were all very triple digits in age we didn't know um you know how the running game was going to be able to perform because they really weren't able to do much with the offensive line um coming into this season but due to cliff and his scheme the Cardinals right now are second in the entire NFL in yards before contact per rush. So every time they touch the ball, they're getting two and a half yards downfield before their running back or whoever's running the ball even gets touched. Second only to the Ravens, who are at just under three. Um, Efficiency-wise, that's pretty insane, um, considering <laughs> the worst team in the league averages – only half a yard before they get hit, which is none other than the Dolphins. Uh, but that also might have to do with the fact that I don't even think they have a competent running back on their team. Um, One of their competent running backs is now on the Cardinals, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, all it took was, you know, Kenyon Drake was, I feel like, over the last couple of years going into the season, hyped up because of what he can do in both the running and the passing game. And he was never given a lead back role to be able to show that he could actually do it. And his first game with the Cardinals against the best defense in the NFL, he was able to put up over 100 yards rushing. And what was it, like 85 yards receiving and like two or three touchdowns? Like, it just goes to show, one, having a coach understand a player's ability and, or abilities and being able to scheme to the best of what you have and their abilities can go a long way. So I'm really excited next year to see, you know, what happens over the off season and how they can improve, you know, their defense and their offensive line, because the other positions, like their other skill positions, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, I think are all solidified for yeah. quite some time. I think this team has a bright future because they have those 10 poles to build around an offense, like you said, at quarterback, uh, at running back, and Kenyon Drake, and then at wide receiver and Christian Kirk. I think they I mean, have not a even, one wide receiver not for even years just, to come. Not even just Kenyon Drake. Like, Chase Edmonds, I think, is the best running back on the team. But mm -hmm. until he's healthy, um, I mean, we saw it even when Montgomery, Montgomery, when David Johnson was out and Chase had the, the offense to himself for two games, he put up crazy numbers, too. and. You know, it's, I think, like I said, it's just, I think Edmonds is a better running back than Kenyon, but now they're sitting on what could be three really great running backs, and Cliff isn't the type of coach that's scared to keep two running backs on the field for every play and, mm -hmm. you know, throw off a defense as to who's going to get the ball if they are going to run it. And if they don't, yeah. you know, give a play action or an RPO and you have two competent receivers out of the backfield as well, along right. with the four I wide mean, receivers you have. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they could they could maybe, you know, uh, be the Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams of the future, kind of how the Packers use those two backs who can really both catch and run. 
Um, and the only thing that would concern me for their future is I'm not sure they have similar ten poles on the defensive end. Kyle, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but no, uh, that may the, be something the they problem. have to address in the draft or through yeah, the free agency. But you know, they have offensively, they have some things to, to build around for sure. They have a lot to build around. I'm really excited, mainly because I love. Seth, Cliff, any thoughts but... on the any thoughts on the Cardinals stuff? I have none. Thank you. The defense rests. Uh, all right. Well, boys, I have to pee like a fire hydrant, so I think we should wrap this up. Any fur- further thoughts on the uh, two balls of sport? Sport ball. Kyle, <laughs> you think I, you know what happened on the 15th day? Um, he rose for the fifth time. Correct. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.